0: Hey, everyone. Thanks so much for joining me for this week's episode. Today, we are going to talk about a special diet. It's not a fad diet, I promise. Um, You all know how much I would love those. Before I go any further, I want to clarify that diet is actually just the way somebody eats. So in no way, shape, or form is this discussion about how you can eat a certain way to lose weight. Uh, Diet is your eating pattern, and it's something that you need to approach with a goal of doing long-term. Okay, so From here on out, when I use diet, it's not in the uh, standard culture way of a restrictive diet to lose weight. So today we're going to talk about a diet called the MIND diet. So this is a diet that was uh, studied back in the early 2000s and this article was published in 2016. And the MIND diet basically takes the Mediterranean diet and the DASH diet, puts them together and creates the MIND diet. And its goal is to reduce the incidence of Alzheimer's and dementia. And so it takes high nutrient value foods that have been studied to show specific needs for brain health um, and the prevention of cognitive decline. Alzheimer's and dementia are actually the sixth leading cause of death in the world. So I think that this is very pertinent. Now, many of you listening to this might be like, yeah, that's like 50 years away. I don't need to worry about it right now. Um, but they don't know yet the effects of someone's diet early in life on their long-term risk for Alzheimer's and dementia. And this is an awesome diet that everyone should be following. It's not just for brain health. So I really think you should take note and consider incorporating some of the components of the mind diet into your uh, regular diet right now. And again, it doesn't need to be everything, just bits and pieces that you feel like would be reasonable changes that you could make. The MIND diet is made up of 10 brain-healthy food groups. So these are green leafy vegetables, other vegetables, so basically any vegetable, (laughs) nuts, berries, beans, um, and these are like kidney beans, black beans, whole grains, seafood, specifically fatty fish, poultry, olive oil, and wine. And then it also has five unhealthy foods that you should try to limit. These are red meats, butter and stick margarine, cheese, pastries and sweets, and then fried fast food. Before I go any further, it's not that you cannot eat any of these foods at any point in time. They just shouldn't be the priority of your diet. So if you're going to have a hamburger and you really want it to be beef, you can have that. Just please don't eat it every single day. And when you eat it, try to choose the highest quality of that specific food. Because again, if you're not eating ground beef every day, you probably could splurge a little and get the the leaner grass-fed local ground beef as opposed to the mass-produced 75% lean ground beef. I don't even know how they can say it's 75% lean. It's 25% fat. Um, but anyway, so try to... Prioritize, if you're not eating these things all the time, you can splurge a little and get the highest quality. Um, and this is a total tangent. I'll be real quick with it. But they've actually done studies on grass-fed and, um, and animal products that come from animals that are in a very humane environment. And the food tastes better, the qu- nutrient quality is higher, and the types of fat in it are actually different. So when they compare grass-fed beef to mass produce beef, there's actually a difference in the type of fat that's in that beef. And there actually are more high quality nutritious fats in the grass fed beef, as opposed to one that's fed corn and grains and, um, you know, doesn't have, and doesn't get the exercise that it needs and just lives in kind of a blah place. You can imagine blah cows probably make blah meat, (laughs) but, um, so anyway, trying to figure out how to optimize the type of, um, of these less healthy foods that you are consuming. Because honestly, I don't think I'll be giving up cheese or butter anytime soon. Um, It's all about moderation and fitting it into your diet along with incorporating all of these other healthy foods. So specifically to the MIND diet, the study looked at about 220 individuals living in retirement communities, so they were older, and they assessed their diet quality. And they found people who had a higher mind diet quality. So their their diet was more in alignment with the mind diet than the others. They had a 35 to 53% reduced risk of Alzheimer's. And they tried to control for numerous things. You know, is it that these people with lower Alzheimer's are exercising regularly, or they're more educated, or they don't have depression, or they're thinner. When they controlled for all these things, there was still this effect. So eating this way was strongly linked to a lower risk of Alzheimer's dementia. So the standard American way would be to ask the question, well, what one thing are they eating that is preventing dementia? Because maybe we can bottle it into a pill and sell it for a lot of money and people will buy it because they think that this is going to prevent dementia. Because many of us know individuals with Alzheimer's or dementia and it's heartbreaking to go through. None of us want to go through it and we don't want our loved ones to go through it either. And so... The way that our society has worked is to say, let's isolate it to that single thing because there must just be one secret weapon. But the fact of the matter is it's a combination of multiple things. There is not one specific thing that will cause these effects. They've tried numerous times to isolate specific nutrients in studies and they almost always come up short. The study might look like vitamin E is the answer to the results that they're seeing. But then when they do another study and just supplement with vitamin E but tell people to go about their normal life, there's no effect anymore. And that's because our bodies are complex and food is complex. It's not just vitamin E. It's not just one nutrient. There's numerous phytochemicals and flavonoids and teeny tiny little pieces of the food that we don't even know what they're called yet. (laughs) And these things all work together to cause an effect that results in improved health outcomes. So many people ask me to provide information about the specific nutrients, like why do we want to eat kale for brain health? It's just really hard to isolate the specific thing that is causing the effect. And so as I tell you some of the nutrients that are in the following foods, I want you to take it with a grain of salt, okay? Because it's a big picture thing. We need to get all of these nutrients in balance. If you eat a lot one day and none the other day, it's okay. And if you really want to take a supplement for one of these, that's probably okay. But just remember, it's about a balance of everything and trying to lead a general healthy life. Okay. So the mind foods, some of the foods have specific nutrients that we think might be what's mediating some of the effect. So, the first one on the list is kale. So, leafy greens was the first thing that I mentioned for the 10 healthy brain foods. And kale is one of those super high nutrient packed foods. Um, It is loaded with vitamin K, lutein, folate, and beta carotene. Uh, So, as you can probably guess, some of these items I just said aren't vitamins or minerals. They're things called phytochemicals, which are the components of food that give color and then also have nutritional value to them. Um, And so, Eating kale and leafy greens has tons of this antioxidant effect. Vitamin K also plays a role in bone health and then also in blood health. And they don't really know why vitamin K is associated with a decreased Alzheimer risk, um, but vitamin K containing foods um, have been found to decrease the risk. So, uh, Things that are leafy green all are loaded with vitamin K. If you know anyone who takes warfarin, you are probably very familiar with this because too much vitamin K, um, or I guess I should say inconsistent vitamin K, can get in the way of your body's ability to um, have a steady what's called INR when you're on warfarin. So um, vitamin K is super healthy. And if you're someone who watches their vitamin K because you're on a medication like warfarin, you just need to be sure that you keep it consistent. It's so good for you. I do not want you cutting it out. You just need to talk with your pharmacist or physician and make sure that the amount that you're eating is consistent so that they can regulate your blood levels. So the next food would be almonds. These are loaded with vitamin E, which is a fat soluble vitamin that has antioxidant properties and also loaded with tons of healthy fat. And you'll notice as I go through this list, there's a lot of fat in these foods. So your brain is loaded with fat. When you think of a neuron, which are the you know the nerves in your brain, they're covered in fat. It's what helps the electricity conduct. So your brain actually preferentially wants things that are fatty. And so vitamin E is awesome for your brain as well as the healthy mono um, and polyunsaturated fats that are in almonds. Walnuts um, also are super healthy. Um, They're loaded with healthy fats, but theirs is actually a different healthy fat. So they have a type of omega-3 fat. Um, It's different than the kind that's in fish, uh, but it still has a lot of great properties to what we find in fish. And so good for brain health, um, especially for the developing brain of a baby. So if you're pregnant, please load up on your walnuts. (laughs) Um, But walnuts are loaded with other healthy fats as well, uh, mono and polyunsaturated fats. And they've been shown to help lower blood pressure. They, in addition to the fats, have more vitamin E, folate, and fiber. Um, And I guess actually almonds have fiber as well. Most everything on my list aside from meat or dairy is going to have fiber in it. Um, So these things are all great for your health and um, trying to have a mix. Now, I don't want you to go buy a big tub of salted walnuts and almonds and then eat a bunch of it. That's not the point of this, Um, which is why I'm always hesitant to talk about superfoods because you don't want to overdo it. That's too much of a good thing is not a good thing. (laughs) Okay. So... We want to eat these in the the most whole form with the least additives possible. So when it comes to nuts, we need to be very intentional with the type that we buy. So if you just go into the store, you're probably going to come out with roasted salted almonds. And those almonds are gonna be kinda greasy even. And so I want you to take an intentional look at the nuts that you're buying. If you were to buy any kind of nut, I want it to be in its purest form possible. Um, Sometimes that would mean raw. Sometimes that just means roasted. But I want you to try to find ones that don't have tons of extra oil added to them. And I don't want them to have other things added to them. So sometimes you'll look at the package and there's actually sugar added as well as salt. So if you always have had salted walnuts, when you buy unsalted walnuts, they'll probably taste like garbage to you at first. But this can change, okay? Our taste buds are just used to something familiar. So it takes time, maybe a couple weeks, but you can gradually shift the way that your taste buds respond and how you feel about eating these foods. So almonds are more common than walnuts, so I'll actually talk about those. So if you are going to buy almonds, I would encourage you to try, if you always buy roasted salted, just buy roasted unsalted and a package of roasted salted and mix them together. Okay, so it's half and half. Shake it up. Try to let the salt dissipate amongst everything. Okay, do that for a little while. Then I would encourage you to just buy the roasted unsalted. And then if you care to go to the next step, you can just buy unsalted and unroasted. And so... Doing this allows you to regain control over what is going into these foods that you're eating, um, and then you can decide how much salt you want to put on them. Or if you're roasting them yourself, which is an option, you could decide what type of oil you roast them in and, and how much oil is on them. And so, again, if you're used to one thing, it just takes some time to transition. Please don't say, oh my gosh, this is disgusting. I'm not doing it. If, if this is a priority to you, find a way to make it work. It might take you months before you can eat an unsalted almond and actually think it's enjoyable, but do it gradually and with intention. And I promise your taste buds can change and you can actually get to eating things that you never would have imagined that you could eat. All right. So enough about nuts. The fourth food is salmon. So this is a fatty fish that is loaded with omega-3 fats. Those are the good ones that you hear about all the time that people take supplements for. So this is DHA, and it plays a role in actually reducing something called beta amyloid, which is a byproduct in your brain that is linked with Alzheimer's. And so they have found that people who consume more salmon have lower risks of Alzheimer's, and they think this might be the mediating factor. Um, so. Salmon once a week is uh, noted as a very um, important nutrient for you to be eating for preventing Alzheimer's. And if salmon isn't your thing, I would encourage you to try to find some new ways of cooking it to see if you can find a way that you do like it. I personally am still traumatized from when I was a child, forced to eat breaded cod. It was the clean plate club. I couldn't leave the table until I finished it. Um, I'm still clearly (laughs) scarred by it, but I never really liked fish. And so um, when I started learning about nutrition and I knew how important fatty fish was, I tried to get myself to like it. And it was the same thing. I started small. And I found new ways to incorporate flavors I enjoyed into the salmon. So my hands down favorite salmon is um, you in tin foil, you put the salmon and then you put oranges and cranberries, no extra added sugar, just what's with oranges and cranberries, and then some cinnamon and you wrap it all up and you bake it in the oven. And it is amazing. Um, and it's not like I ate a six ounce filet at right away because I thought it was kind of gross. <laughs> um, I enjoyed, you know, two ounces maybe. And that's still two ounces more than I was eating before. And then with time, it's grown on me and I actually kind of like salmon now. Um, And so again, this is the same thing. I want you to just try to find little ways to incorporate foods that you feel like would benefit you nutritionally, that you um, really would like to eat, but maybe haven't eaten before. So your tastes aren't used to them. All right. Number five is avocado. So this is filled with lutein and uh xenanthine. And so, and I'm probably saying that totally wrong, <laughs> but um, again, these are phytochemicals that um, are linked with anti-inflammatory um, properties and they can help decrease the risk of Alzheimer's. Avocado also is loaded with healthy fat. It's easy to add as a condiment on things. And actually my favorite way to incorporate avocado now is to mash it up and make it like a sandwich spread. So if I'm having a sandwich instead of putting mayonnaise, which I had done my whole life. Sometimes I'll uh, make an avocado spread um, and I'll put a little bit of lemon juice in it so it doesn't get brown. Um, And it tastes, it's creamy, it tastes awesome, and it's a great way to add in a healthier fat than what mayonnaise is. Uh, The next one, number six, is yogurt. So yogurt um, was actually highlighted as being, um, I actually don't think it's specifically in the Mind Diet, um, but it's a, a food that is considered to have health properties for brain health um, because it affects the brain-gut access. So our brain and our gut are strongly linked, and there's actually a nervous system specifically devoted to the GI tract, okay? And so between the brain and the gut, there are things like hunger and satiety. There's also mood and cognition. Um, And they found that probiotics in yogurt help regulate the GI tract, and can actually lead to improved mood, better cognition, and improved mood. And it's one of those things that no one really thinks about, but as a physician, I see all the time because so many people come to me with gut complaints, GI complaints, and when you really dig down deep into what the root cause is, you find that it's actually from stress in their life that these GI symptoms are flaring up um, or depression, anxiety, some other thing related to their mental health. And so probiotics help the gut, which in turn is positive effect on the brain, which in turn will be a positive effect on the gut. And it's this awesome cycle. So taking care of your gut is super important and probiotics help regulate the balance within your gut um, and can help control some of these things that I just mentioned. So Not specifically in the MIND diet, but definitely something I recommend. And you don't have to eat yogurt. You can also just take probiotics um, because yogurt, the amount of probiotics in it is quite small. And so this is one thing we have been able to isolate. There's tons of probiotics. We like don't really know which ones are the best. Um, So you can kind of pick and choose and see what works for you. But if you want, you can also just eat some healthy yogurt as well. All right, number seven is eggs eggs are awesome. Uh, they're a great source of protein. And then if you buy eggs that again, are like a free range grass fed type egg, you'll notice the yolk looks different. And that's because the phytochemicals and vitamins are higher. So when the yolk is dark orange, you can feel very confident that you're eating something that is full of nutrients. Um, and they actually taste a little bit different. So if you're looking for a healthy way to add protein to your diet, Eggs are a great way to do that. If you're wanting to watch the amount of fat in your diet for however you decide that you normally eat, you will lose some of those nutrients because uh, the fat-soluble nutrients are in the yolk. So the white is the protein, the yolk is the fat. So try to find a balance that works for you. Again, I'm not saying you need to eat eggs every day, but you could incorporate some nutritious eggs into your diet to get some of these fat-soluble nutrients, um, but still be eating in alignment with how you desire to eat. Number eight is ancient grains. So this is like millet and barley and quinoa and all of those grains that are different than wheat and rice. (laughs) And these have tons of fiber and B vitamins, um, which are necessary for mental cognition. And the ones that are called ancient grains mean that they've been around for a very long time. And grains have been modified by our society over hundreds of years as we've been fine tuning how to create more grain with less surface area in the world and to feed more people. And so um, when they get modified, there's some question if they still have the same amount of nutrients. So trying to find um, grains that are as close to the original type of grain as possible. Um, They're loaded with, like I said, B vitamins. They have fiber in them. Um, And often they'll have added protein and, and some healthy fats in them. So when you're looking for ancient grains, the ones that take 45 minutes to an hour to cook tend to be the healthier ones because they have more fiber in them. Um, and if you have a pressure cooker, that is one way that you can make these grains that typically take almost an hour to prepare uh, to make them ready in like 20 minutes. So um, if you're if you're diving into the world of ancient grains, uh, try out some new ones that you've never done before, and then just Google how to. Uh, create or how to cook them in a pressure cooker and I'm sure you'll find a recipe that um, is pretty easy to do uh, that will allow you to try out some new grains and sometimes it's just fun to try out new textures and flavors so um, your kids might think it's kind of cool to um, if you incorporate them in this process and tell them what the different name is for the grain. All right number nine berries. So uh, berries are awesome. Berries are have tons of fiber, and they're loaded with things called flavonoids, um, which have been found to uh, decrease memory decline um, by up to two and a half years. And berries are actually, even though they taste so sweet, they tend to be lower in sugar, especially strawberries. So um, when you look at a serving, if you're going to look at how many um, carbohydrates are in a serving of fruit you get more strawberries per serving than you would of other fruits. And so strawberries are a lower carb per bite, I guess you could say, um, type of fruit to eat. And most people love them. I haven't really met anyone who doesn't love strawberries unless of course they're allergic to them. So uh, berries are an awesome way to get some added nutrients into your diet. So I'd really recommend finding ways to incorporate them. And I think a great thing you can do with berries is make this become the dessert. So if you were going to have cake like I'll give you the example of what we do for our kids birthdays like every year we will usually buy because I am too tired to make angel food cake um, we'll buy some angel food cake um, which I like because there's so much air like it just goes further per bite Um, so we'll buy angel food cake and berries and then I'll make like a plain yogurt dressing to go on top And they love it, and it's super healthy, and it subs for a store bought cake that has zero nutrients in it. And so, try to find ways to add berries into the desserts you're eating, and I'm sure your family will probably love them. And it doesn't cost a ton of money if you're not eating, you know, buckets of berries all the time, Um, and it's a great way to help your brain health. So, number 10 is my favorite. I'm so excited about this one this is coffee. So caffeine actually may help solidify new memory. I'm definitely going to bank on that one because I drink a lot of coffee through my training. Um, And then it's loaded with phytochemicals. So coffee is one of those things that goes back and forth all the time about whether it's healthy or not. We don't know for sure, but we do know that in moderation, it likely is good for you. Okay. I would not recommend drinking an entire 12 cup pot of coffee every day, but if you can drink, um, you know, one to three cups and a cup is six ounces of coffee. Okay. People that's like one mug, um, but one to three cups of coffee a day, you'll have a lower risk of Alzheimer's dementia. Um, and then you may also help with solidifying new memory. It's important to know The half-life of caffeine is very long. And so that means it stays in your system a long time and it can build up. So if you drink coffee all day long, you might notice it's really hard to sleep. And that's because your body has a ton of caffeine floating around that has not been processed yet. And so play with when the timing is best for you. Um, It's not uncommon as people get older that they can't drink coffee after lunch. And it can be sad, but you could still have decaffeinated coffee that has questions about the decaffeinated process. So we're not going to get into that here, but if you really love coffee and you're having trouble sleeping, that's not going to be good for your health if you're not sleeping well. So try to find a way that you can kind of um, decrease the amount you're having after lunchtime if you think that might be affecting you, but in general coffee has tons of nutritional benefits. Um, It's zero calorie. I think there's five calories in in eight ounces, um, which is basically zero. You probably burn five calories lifting the cup every time. Um, And so yeah, it's basically zero calorie. If you are going to drink coffee and add milk sugar things to it, please work on trying to limit how much you add. I totally get that not everyone can be into the black coffee like I am, but, um, you can again, train your taste buds to not need so much sweet. If you're always drinking sugary coffee, you will never get away from it. So you need to be intentional about decreasing how much sugar you're adding in. Um, and over time, I can guarantee that you could eventually consume a very low sugar, uh, even low dairy coffee, um, as close to black as possible. So This was a little longer than planned. I promise the more podcasts I do, I'll get better at keeping this at 20 minutes. Um, But I hope you found this helpful. Let me know um, if there were any things in here that were confusing or things that you're doing that have been working great for you. I would love to get feedback. Um, And then I will talk with you all next week. Have a great week and be well. Take care. While I make every effort to broadcast correct information, I am still learning. The views expressed on this podcast are solely my own, based on extensive experience and research. The views of this podcast are not those of any organizations that I am currently or previously affiliated with. If you have any concerns about views or opinions expressed in this podcast, please contact me directly at lynn.stiff at nutritionhealthlife.com. One doctor may have a different way of doing things from another, and I am simply presenting my views on how to... Use diet and lifestyle approaches to improve your health. By listening to this podcast, you agree to not use this podcast as medical advice or to treat any medical conditions that either yourself or others are experiencing. Please consult your own physician for any medical issues that you may be having. Do not ignore or delay obtaining professional medical advice because of information accessed or otherwise obtained from or on behalf of Nutrition Health Life, LLC, or Lynn Stiff, MD.